This is the We Can Do Better podcast with Adam O'Leary, talking about Michigan's 2nd Senate District, featuring stories from Detroit, Gross Point, Amtramic, Harper Woods, and Highland Park, told by the people doing the work, and myself, Senator Adam O'Leary. This is uh, Senator Adam Olier, and this is the We Can Do Better podcast. And uh, I'm excited to have a uh, very special guest with us. Uh, that's uh, Cynthia Douglas. She's the president of the Gross Point Harper Woods and AACP. She's a friend, and uh, I'll let her introduce herself. But b- before I do that, I just want to thank everybody who's been tuning in and listening, and, and thank everyone for all the uh, folks who've reached out. Uh, as many of you know, my my aunt Joan passed, Billy Joan Gibbs. She was a longtime Detroit educator uh, as a teacher and then a principal, ultimately retiring from Hanstein Elementary uh, and was at a couple different places. But uh, throughout COVID-19, we've all had to deal with loss, uh, some due to COVID, some not. Uh, but the way we have dealt with those kind of moments and the way we are accustomed to grieving is different. It has been different this year. Uh, it's been different for my family and particularly my mom. Uh, so I just want to thank everybody for all the folks who have reached out and, and sent their love and who are praying and doing all those kind of things, because it really matters. And to encourage folks to reach out while you still can. You know, I started 2020 um, not sending a thank you note to a good friend of mine, Marlo Stoudemire, who was one of the first Detroiters uh, to ultimately pass from COVID-19. And we were at an event together, uh, Pancakes and Police in the district. Uh, sitting together and I wrote him a note right then saying, hey, thanks, looking forward to connecting on this next thing. And um, that thank you note sits on my desk every day today to remind me uh, to say thank you quicker, but also to to get those kind of things out. So as we are in these spaces where I know we're all feeling isolated and dealing with these kind of things, it's really important and incumbent on us to reach out to the people that we care about, to say thank you and to give them their flowers, flowers uh, while they're around, because that's the only time they can take advantage of them. So, uh, Cynthia, if you want to introduce yourself, I, I'd love to kind of get going. Uh, well, my, of course, thank you very much for having me on your show. My condolences to you and your family as you uh, mourn the loss of your aunt. Um, I know it can be difficult, um, mm-hmm. but my prayers are with you, um, you as you go through this. So, um, as you said, I am the president of the Gross Point Harper Woods NAACP. Um, been the president um, for two years now. I just received my reelection, so I'll be serving another two That's years. Right. Thank you. Uh, we will be having a swearing in ceremony on Thursday um, during our general membership meeting. So I'm excited about that and working with our new um, and past officers who were reelected as well. So um, I also work for Wayne County um, during the day. Um, I'm the executive assistant to the commission. I've okay. been there for 15 years or so. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's, yeah, it's been a little while. So um, that's why I do as well. So I'm just honored to uh, serve both of those entities, the NAACP as well as Wayne County for all this time. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. You have a, a new member there on the Wayne County Commission. Uh, Jonathan Kenlock was- uh, Yes, to, yes, to we replace. do. Yes. Uh, you know, Commissioner Ware, who uh, passed somewhat untimely again at the end of the year, as, as we talk about, you know, all the folks that we, we've lost. Yeah, and I was um, uh, Commissioner Ware's executive assistant for four years. Oh. Um, yeah, I worked for her for four years as her executive assistant and learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. 
um, tough lady, but she was very intelligent and, um, you know, just a hard worker. And she's going to be missed in the community as well as the uh, commission. But, you know, uh, Jonathan Kinlock is a good addition. So looking forward to working with him. Um, I've known Jonathan for a long time, so, uh, but I've never worked with him in this capacity. So looking forward to that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Jewel was my commissioner and now Jonathan is my commissioner. So uh, that that's the district I live in. But as we, as we talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the points and, and in Harper Woods, can you just tell a little bit what the, what the priorities are for uh, the NAACP there as we talk about, you know, how things ha have gone and changed? I know uh, there was a um, a driving uh, toward the end police brutality, you know, uh, earlier this, well, I guess that was last year, uh, going through the gross points. And that was, you know, starting Harper Woods, but that was like a, a very real change for me. You know, like that is not the the way I think gross point and Harper Woods had been <laughs> viewed. So do you want to talk a little about the, the role that the NAACP has played in that and, and where you see moving forward? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, actually we started an initiative last year uh, with the um, public safety officers of the all five points and Harper Woods and extended it to East Point. Mm -hmm. So we have monthly meetings with um, the uh, public safety directors of those um, cities, municipalities um, to discuss ways that we can work with them to develop better relationships with community um, and to provide assistance in um, hiring practices of people of color, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's not, <laughs> I think just recently they hired an African-American male uh, for the city of Gross Point. Um, so we want more of that. Um, I believe that Woods has a firefighter that's an African-American. However, you know, we want more representation on those um, departments. And so we're working with those um, municipalities to see how best we can serve um, to make that happen. So the it's always the, sorry. It's always a sad moment when you're like, I think there's one here <laughs> and one there, Absolutely. and across six or seven communities, you're like, I think I can count everybody on my right hand. And you're like, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. You know, in a community like Harper Woods, that that's more than that's just now more than fifty percent black and. and I know in Gross Point they're looking for a new police chief and, and have been having some discussions about a new public safety director in Harper Woods after uh, this one retires, I guess, later this year. Is that right. And we passed, a we did a resolution uh, recently for the Woods in order to um, ask them to really take a hard look at, you know, their department and see how they can, um, you know, ask or get other minorities to come to the woods to work. You know, I know is they have a different kind of criteria. You know, some of them, they say they have to have, you know, police and fire, um, but we're working with them to see what it is that we can do to get, you know, minorities in here, people of color in here. Um, Harper Woods also is looking, uh, we just got a notice yesterday, I believe that they're looking for um, public safety officer. Um, mm -hmm. So we're trying to post that. We're posting that on our Facebook page, on our website, asking other um, entities that service um, African-Americans to post it on there so that we can try and, you know, get some <laughs> qualified. We want qualified individuals, but we also want individuals that look like the community. 
mm-hmm. you know, because right now Harper Woods, I don't believe they have a black police officer. They have they don't have a black police chief, of course, or anyone in uh, close to the leadership roles out there. So we're looking for qualified individuals. However, it would be great to have. Oh, two black police officers. Okay. Um, so, but we're still looking for qualified individuals. However, it would be nice to have individuals that look like the community, which is um, individuals of color. I mean, because the demographics are changing throughout the points and, you know, Harper Woods is over 50% black. So we want that to look like the community. Um, I mean, we've made strides in our um, councils out here. You know, we've had the first black um, female council person in the woods. Um, Terrence Thomas is in the city, I believe. He is. Yep. So, you know, we're making some headway, but we still have a long way to go. So we're here to assist in any way we can. We want, like I said, we want um, our public safety and our council and elected officials to look like the community that they serve. So. And that makes it that makes a huge difference. And and I, I really appreciate you talking about some of how the demographic shift has happened and that it's not asking these communities to shift to. Uh, being 100%, rep, you know, representative, but just to do a better job than they have been recognizing that uh, the communities that they are serving have changed and continue to shift, uh, whether that's the Gross Points or Harper Woods. And so speaking of kind of those kind of shifts, uh, I had the pleasure of having uh, the mayor of Harper Woods on, and she's the first uh Black woman, or the first Black person, first Black woman to, to be the mayor. And as you've seen kind of some of these uh, first in, in the points, what is NAACP, you know, continuing to doing? What are you thinking about as we look forward to uh, what you need to get done um, this next year and going forward? What's on the agenda? Okay, so on our agenda um, for this year, of course, is continuing to build on uh, the relationships that we have with the departments of um, public safety and as well as working with the mayors of all those cities and council um, to uh, push the agenda for diversity and inclusion in mm-hmm. cities. So um, we, like I said, we passed the resolution in Harper, in uh, Gross Point Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to look for ways to um, work on police reform. That is one of the things that we want to do, especially surrounding mental health, uh, working with the communities. Uh, We've heard from people who come into our community who do not feel as welcome as they should Mm -hmm. um, for various reasons. Um, And I, you know, police, let me just say, um, the public safety officers in these areas, in, in any area, especially during these times, are facing a lot of challenges. And we understand that their job is not easy. And to try and balance um, trying to be, you know, as equal as possible is difficult. However, that is not to say that there's room for improvement because we all know that, you know, racism still exists. Absolutely. We're not saying that they encourage it. However, you do have people who still feel, you know, and who still judge uh, individuals who are of color that come in our community as people who might start trouble. Um, we don't want that. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody that comes in our community means well, but until they do something to show you that they don't, mm-hmm. you know, you should not judge them just because they're of a different color than you are. So we're trying to work to build 
um, those relationships between the communities and within our own community. Um, I was telling the story before, I wasn't raised, I was raised in an um, all white community. We were the first black family to move there. So my racism experience didn't happen until later on in my life towards high school and after I graduated. So, but when I moved in this community after living in Detroit all my life and after hearing all the stories and being afraid to come into this community, um, that I don't leave my house without my ID. Mm -hmm. You know, I make sure I have my ID on me because I don't know, you know, and I've never had a bad experience with police officers out here, but just the way that I grew up and the, my experiences and just hearing from after living in Detroit and coming here, I just constantly keep my ID on me. You know, so as I walk in my community where I pay taxes, <laughs> you know, on, you know, with, and so that is what I do. And we need to change that mindset. Yeah, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I just want to make it clear for some of our listeners who may not understand why you carry your ID. You're carrying your ID so that if you were ever stopped or pulled over, you could show that you do in fact live in the community that you're in right. uh, because you feel a, a responsibility to justify why you were there, noting that people who look like us, uh, that's black people. So for, for folks who were just listening, that they know that you belong because that is something that is often required. Correct, of, of people of color. Um, mm -hmm. And there have been several stories of instances like that where people are, are approached, you know, asking, you know, where they're going and if they live here. Um, I can't verify those. However, these have come from reputable people that mm -hmm. I know, um, some of the members of our brand. So I just do that as a practice myself because I just don't, you know, want um, an issue to arise. So, but that's because of the things that have happened historically here in this community. Um, and they still happen now, I'm sure, but, you know, I, that to protect myself, that's what I do. So that's, but we need to change that mindset though. That's the whole thing. We need to change that mindset and to have people feel welcome, especially residents that live here, you know? And then if we have visitors, you know, they say it's a welcoming community, then we need to show that. So, um, and I'm not saying that it always comes from police officers. You have residents that do the same thing. My mm -hmm. experience when I moved here, um, I had a neighbor who their daughter was visiting and I'm in my yard and she came up to me and said, you live here? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, for her to ask that question, it was like, would you have asked that if it was somebody else? You know, so I was a little offended, but uh, that's, here. that's the thing. And, and I think it's important uh, for us to continue to have these conversations. I had a, a conversation similarly with uh, one of my colleagues who represents uh, a more fluent suburban community. And we just had you know, a pretty frank and honest conversation about the things that uh, I had to do as a black man uh, versus some of the things that she has to do as a, you know, being a woman. And, and you know, she's a white woman and, and, and how different her life experiences are at different moments, you know, whether it be interactions with the police or going out for a run or going out for a walk or doing you know, different kind of things. And so right. uh, similarly, I have a uh, high visibility vest uh, that says U.S. Army and uh, my name and rank on it. 
Uh, and I wear that when I run because I want people to know that I'm running for fitness and not away from something. People are like, why are you wearing that bright thing? It's like, I, I, you know, and, and this is something that I've been doing, you know, for years, not just because of what happened to Ahmaud Arbery, but because we know that that is the reality in which we live in, right? When I used to work for uh, Senator Johnson, who was, you know, my predecessor here in the legislature, uh, we had a constituent white woman who routinely called our office because her husband, who was a black man, was always getting pulled over in gross point, just always pulled over, always pulled over, pulled over, pulled over, pulled over, pulled over. Pulled over. Uh, and then uh, I was like, you know, you know, we're trying or whatever. Her solution was they put a growth point, a gross point South sticker, high school sticker in the back window. He never got pulled over again. Mm. Yeah, and see, we need to change that. It's like, why are you pulling these people over? I've had several stories about that. You drive up, people are afraid to drive up Lakeshore. Mm-hmm people of color are afraid to drive up Lakeshore. I mean, and that's just what it is because they feel that they'll get pulled over or they have been pulled over on Lakeshore. I had a girlfriend who was pulled over, you know, during the holiday. They have beautiful lights on Lakeshore and everybody comes around and takes a look at the lights on Lakeshore. I do all the time. I've lived here for 14 years now. And um, I always go up Lakeshore just to see the Christmas lights. They're just beautiful. And just the water itself, you know, that's just an added bonus. But she was out. She was pulled over um, by the police. She hadn't been drinking. Um, and they told her she was swerving. And she was just out looking at the lights. So, well, you know, uh, you know in mm -hmm. Michigan, everyone's swerving, but that's because we have a pothole issue, <laughs> necessarily uh, anything else. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, you know, yeah, it's, um, but it, we get that kind of story all the time. So um, we're trying to build those relations. That's one of the things we're trying to do is build relations with the community and public safety officers and also to try and get an oversight committees. We're mm -hmm. talking about those as well. Uh, I can't understand how you get complaints and the complaints against your departments and they come to you and then you decide on how, you know, what to do with them. Yeah. So you're policing yourself. That is not how I think should, things should be done. And I think those need to change. You have a community um, policing, you know, form or something like that. And um, that can review those complaints and then talk to the chief about those of how it can be resolved. You know, so I think that's something that we need to focus on as well. Um, and just, you know, building relationships within this community. So those are mainly our focuses is, is on, you know, public safety and inclusion of everybody in the community. So, and just building those relationships. No, that's critical. And uh, I had a good friend of mine, uh, Rodney Jacobs, who does civilian oversight in the Miami-Dade Police Department on the podcast a few weeks ago, talking about just those kind of issues and how, how important it is to have someone who is external, uh, who is an expert, who can you know watch and talk about these complaints and these issues. Uh, so you know those are those are really important you know topics that I think everyone is looking into in these spaces. How do people get involved with the NAACP if they're interested? What do they do? How do they you know when do you meet? Like what, what's what's that look like? We meet on the fourth Thursdays of every month at six o'clock. Uh, we usually post the meetings on our Facebook page. We're getting ready to launch our website um, mm -hmm. shortly. Um, it should be up and running by Monday, I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> we were hoping for today, but that didn't uh, happen. But, you know, as you know, it takes time to build a quality yeah. site and we want it to be 
informative to where it'll be easy to navigate. Um, so that's what we're working on. Um, but our meetings are the fourth Thursdays of every month. We also have a youth division that we encourage youth in the area to be involved in, because as you know, that's another um, aspect that we're working on, on our agenda is to get the youth involved. We've seen where um, they organize the marches here in the Gross Points and in Harper Woods. Um, the alumni of Harper Woods, I believe high school, did one this past summer, which I attended and I saw you there as well. And it was very well organized. Uh, we also had several here in the Gross Points, um, Bianca Garcia, who did one um, and she's remained involved. You know, so we have our young people that are getting involved now and, you know, they've taken on the torch and they're running with it. Um, and it's exciting to see how, you know, they're getting involved in these matters that affect them. So we're asking youth to come out. We have a dynamic, um, our youth uh, chair is Jalen Bradley. He's a recent graduate of University of Michigan. I believe. Yeah. And uh, so he's a recent graduate and he's hardworking. He's he's great. Jalen is wonderful. So they would have someone within their age group um, to work with and to voice um, their opinions and develop their own agenda. So that's what we're asking them to do is to, to do that, because we know that they are future. I don't plan on being president forever. Uh, you know, I mean, I would rather be looking at a young person um, doing this and uh, leading. And so, I mean, I'm enjoying this as, as we're doing this now, but, you know, I would love to see a young person take this over and, um, you know, put it in a different direction because, you know, they have different views than we do, you know, and so I just want to hear their voices. So we encourage them to join our branch. We always post our memberships forms on our Facebook page, and it will also be available on our website. And what's, and what's your, what is your name on Facebook? Uh, Gross Points, Harper Woods and the WCP. Okay. So you like, search, you'll find us. That's mm -hmm. easy to find, you know, sometimes the names are, are kind of tricky. It's like GPHWW, yeah. you know, you're no. like, whoa. <laughs> no, we're Gross Point, Harper Woods and WACP is very simple. So, awesome. Awesome. yeah, so, you know, right. that, that, that's really good to know and, and good to hear. I'm yeah, sure look for our Black History. We're planning something for Black History Month. Um, we're in the works for that. Um, and of course, you know, Black History and Women's Health mm -hmm. is also February um, for our third for our general membership meeting. We're going to ask our members to wear red, you okay. know, to support that. Um, and also Women's History Month is in March and also uh, Martin Luther King's speech, which was done at South was on March 4th. So we'll be doing a few things for that. So look out for us, you know, check our website often, check our Facebook page often. Uh, we're going to have several things for people to get involved with. So we're just asking you to join us. This is a great time to join. Um, the fight continues um, and we need everybody to participate. We need the conversation to continue. Cynthia, before you um, kind of you kind of glossed over Dr. King giving his speech at Gross Point South, I think our <laughs> listeners probably need to know that. So I, I know I've been able to attend that event in the past, and it's uh, for all those who haven't. It's a wonderful event that I, I'm sure you'll get back to post COVID. But if you want to explain to everybody what that was, yeah. So Martin Luther King um, did a speech, "The Other America," at uh, South. 
um, actually, he did that speech a few months before he was assassinated. So he uh, did that speech. He was not welcomed here. He was, but then he wasn't. So of course, you know, everywhere Dr. King went, there were protesters. There were people who did not want him here. As a matter of fact, during the speech, we used to, uh, when we first became a chapter, uh, we played his entire speech at South. South mm -hmm. has the chair that Dr. King sat in. They put that on display. Um, and we played the entire speech um, that first year. We had a huge turnout. People sat and listened. Mm -hmm. They um, congregated after. They talked about it. Uh, the second year, we did the same thing. We had some youth to come in to talk about how they felt about the speech. Um, so for the last few years, except for last year, because of COVID, we were not able to host that. Um, the speech is incredible. Uh, during that speech, he had a gentleman who heckled him. And Dr. King, being the gracious person that he's always been, invited the gentleman on stage with him to have his say. Mm -hmm. And he had a short discussion with him. The gentleman wound up going back and sat down. And then Dr. King said, okay, let's continue on with, with what we were talking about. So um, he did. And I mean, that's just one of the things I admire about Dr. King. I didn't mean to gloss over his speech because it's very important. And now that they have the marker uh, that's at Gross Point South, which is a great tribute to the school as well. And most importantly to Dr. King for willing to step out there and just um, have this speech here in a community that has since changed, but at that time, you know, they weren't as welcoming as some people had hoped. But mm -hmm. um, he did do the speech. Um, I know the speech has been posted, I think, by WGP. Um, but this year, we're trying to plan to do something in this COVID environment to still honor him. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you know the, the work that you that you all do. Uh, on a more personal note, I always ask folks how they are staying active. You know, physical activity I know is both has always been important to me. But you have a, a a rich history with being active. What are you doing in this pandemic, especially as the weather has gotten cold and people are getting a little I don't want to say stir crazy, but are are getting a little cloistered. Yeah. Well, you know, before all of this happened, I would get up in the morning about 530 when I'd have to go to work and do my workout and then I would come home and do another one. Um, I also walk um, in the building because we have an area that has a, I call it a track. And so <laughs> during the day, I would walk down um, there a few times for about 15 minutes. Um, during the day. So I would get my workout either way I could, but I was a former bodybuilder in my past life. Um, I competed for two years. And so I've always, I've hadn't always been passionate about bodybuilding. I started doing it because I was an overweight child okay. and I have arthritis and I found that uh, it helped my arthritis. Um, yeah. And so I don't have a lot of flare-ups. I rarely have them. Uh, but I competed for two years and I kept going. I don't lift as heavy as I used to, but I still work out. So, you know, I tell people, they always ask me for advice. And my advice is find something that you like. You yep. know, I ballroom dance as well. So ballroom dancing is a great exercise. Um, I salsa. So I do all that step and, you know, line dance and everything, do the hustle. So you just have to find something that you like to do you know, to keep yourself active. And I know it's cold outside. 
Uh, but there's a lot of things. There's a lot of free apps. If you have an iPhone or Android or or uh, any phone, they offer um, free apps, you know, as well to keep you active. But you just have to find something you like. Start small. Don't start big. <laughs> Don't <laughs> let it scare you. You know, just keep it. You know, it's going to take a couple weeks before you see any results. So you just have to find something you like, you know. And that's what I do. So. So uh, for your mental health, right? Like I think in these moments, it's easy to let the world feel so heavy with the uh, insurrection at the Capitol with all that 2020 what, 2020 was and what COVID-19 remains to be. I think it's easy to get uh, caught up with the doom scrolling or the like, you know, oh child, I heard so-and-so and you know, it's, can you believe this? What are you doing to just kind of keep that joy in your life and, and to keep focus? And especially with the work that you do where people are coming to you complaining about very real and legitimate and, and difficult issues. Yeah, you know, I um, in the last few months, I just got consumed with everything that was going on. And so I had to, at the first of the year, I decided I was going to do a 100-day challenge uh, yep. to exercise for 100 days. And uh, so that's what I've been doing. And I journal. I've always journaled. Um, sometimes I fall off. But, you know, I journal. Um you know, just give thanks, just give grateful for every day that you're here because, you know, like I told you, I ballroom dance and I lost a number of friends in that community mm -hmm. um, who used to dance with. And so like you, like you were saying, give everybody their flowers before they leave here, you know, cause you never know, you know, one moment you're here and the next moment as we've seen, you know, with Commissioner Ware and Benny Napoleon and other friends that we have lost you know, think that they're going to be here forever. And that's not the case. So, you yes. know, just bring the joy to everybody that you can, especially to yourself. You know, I, I journal, um, I read, I disconnect from Facebook at a certain time during the day, you know, turn that computer off. Facebook is oh. not that important. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not. And you have, you have a life that you can live and just meditate, just be still you know, just sit, light a candle and just sit sometimes, you know? So that's what I do. Those are the things that I do during the those, day. Those are some good things to do. Well, I, I appreciate you, you coming on and uh, sharing some of the good work that the NAACP is doing and, and how folks can get in, get in contact with you and stay in touch. So thank you so much, Cynthia, for all the advocacy and all the hard work you do. Uh, to make the points in, in Harper Woods a safer, more inclusive community. And thank uh, you so much. And thank you for everything that you do and look forward to continue our work with you as well. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time and having me on today. Always, always. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, Senator Adam Ollier. This is the We Can Do Better podcast. And uh, we look forward to catching you all next week. Uh, this afternoon or this evening, uh, Governor Whitmer will give her third state of the state address. And we're excited to tune in uh, to that and to see some of the incredible work that she's been doing. And next week, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that she talked about and how we've got all, you know, so much work to get done. So thanks and see you next week. Thank you.